0: Uh, Even though this is still going on. Um,
1: Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for bringing us all together today. Um, God, I thank you um, for what we just celebrated Christmas, um, for you sending your son, um, God incarnate. I thank you for that precious little boy that um, at the time probably no one knew the ramifications of what was coming, God. And I thank you for that. I thank you um, for the grace and mercy that we have received through your son. God, I pray over today, I pray that just people um, are open to the words that I say, but I pray that you speak through me, God. I pray that they hear your words, Father, not mine. God, I thank you for just the amazing word that you've given, and uh, uh, the amazing man that Paul, that we're going to be going through today, that you enlightened him and taught him, God. I thank you for his words, and we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So no, I'm not, unfortunately, going to cook for you all today, even though I'd like to, because I'd probably be more comfortable. Um, But um, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Thank you. If you were visiting for the first time, welcome to UCC. Um, I am not Raja. Uh, I am not. That was the first time I've ever been complimented as a brown man before. So uh, no, but thank you for uh, joining us today. Um, So today I'm kind of going to be talking about something normally uh, we don't talk about in church, and uh, the video, not cancer, but um, kind of what Chef Atkins went through. Um, so I chose this video because, uh, if you don't know, I am a huge foodie. Uh, I went to hospitality school, actually, before I went to Bible college. So I love food. I love the whole hospitality, all that stuff. And that's actually, Alinea is my favorite restaurant in the world. Uh, one day I would love to go there, but first I have to find about $800 to spend <laughs> on two people. So it might be a while. Um, but something that um, I really loved about that video in the intro is um, this man who was so well known for his tongue, and that might sound weird to you, but he was, he was known for his tongue because the things he came up with, the things that people tasted at his restaurant were out of this world. I mean, if you saw the video, there were things hanging on wires, literally they bring, pill- they bring pillows to your table and set food on it because he's all about this amazing atmosphere, but then, sure enough, it comes time, and he's diagnosed with this awful cancer, stage four. And he actually went to five doctors, and every five of those doctors said, all right, sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to remove your tongue and part of your jaw. And think about this. You're, like, world-renowned. You're one of the best chefs in the world, just rated best restaurant in North America, and you're like, my career is now over. Um, but he didn't end there, and he could have stopped, and he could have like, okay, let's get the surgery. I want to live. But he's like, no, I, I feel like there's more, and he, and he fought through that pain and suffering that he was afraid of, and he fought through it and found this one doctor, and he's like, okay, tomorrow you're coming in. We're studying radiation, chemotherapy, and we're going to kill this thing, and he had this amazing strength that uh, if you read his book, it's called Life Online. He talks – there's pictures of him getting his chemotherapy drop, and he's writing his cookbook. That's how determined he is to beat this thing. He's like, I'm not going to lose. And I was so inspired by it because this man that is so – was so beaten that he thought was so beaten, he's like, no, I'm going to fight through this and persevere through this. Um and so I'm going to talk on, I'm not just going to talk about him all day. That'd be weird to come to church and that, but I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to read through Philippians one twenty seven to 30 and kind of talk about um, suffering our life and what can come from it. Um, so if you'd like to turn with me to Philippians 1, uh, 27 and 30, um, and we'll start there. So it says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them, this is a sign to them, that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved. And that by God, and that by God, for it has been granted on you behalf of, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now, sometimes when when I first read this passage, so I wrote a paper on this and I probably read the passage about 30 times and the first little while I was reading it and I'm like, oh, conduct yourselves. Yeah, I wanna live a holy life. I wanna live a holy life. I wanna live a holy life. And as I kept reading it, I realized what comes with that. And you know, Sometimes we put Christianity in this box, and we think, oh, I'm a Christian now, so everything is going to be peachy and dandy, and I'm going to love life, and life is going to be good. And unfortunately, sometimes that's not the case. Oh, wow, that scrolled way too fast. Um, sometimes we, we get focused on, you know, Jesus saved me, so life's going to be good. And, and Paul is kind of telling us the opposite in this one little part. And it's quite interesting. I love how he starts off with whatever happens, whatever happens. And I, and I love that. So I'm going on the tangent that I didn't want to go on to, so I'm going to stop. But um, the thing I love about this is so it starts off with conduct yourselves. And what people think when Paul is actually saying this, there's actually a Greek word. Yeah, I read Greek. Um, and it's called polytumiae. And so when I was researching this word, it actually means a lot more than conduct yourselves. Um, in the Greek, it's talking about someone in a higher lifestyle and Paul only uses it one other time. Well, not Paul, Luke wrote it, but Paul was saying it. And it's, it's in Acts 23, one, which, um, actually I love this definite, like reading this, it's kind of opens it up in a better way. And so this is Acts 23 verse one. And Paul says, um, he's talking with the Sanhedrin and he says, my brothers, I've fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. And that's ultimately what a polytumiae life is. It's we have lived a good conscience life. Not just a good life, but a good life with God. A conscience, like our, I use the analogy, I'm American, well, I grew up there. And, um, you know, when presidents start getting in debates, they talk about, oh, Abe Lincoln was like the perfect president. So it's kind of like if you're running for president, which... Who knows, you could, Um, but uh, I'm just kidding, you can't, you have to be a prime minister here in Canada, but um, you, you are going to, you want to live this, you have to live this lifestyle above others, you have to live this strong and good life. Obviously, some people might say perfect, but we can't, but in some sense, you know, when we read the law, God does want us to live a perfect life. But that's why Christ came and saved us by grace. But, I mean, if it, God had his way, he'd have us live the perfect life, follow the law completely to all unity. And Paul is kind of telling us to do that. Conduct yourselves in this God-holy, honoring manner. Not just in a good manner, in a holy manner. And that's something that we we really need to understand, that it's, it's more... Uh, where was the verse I wanted to go with? It? Sorry. Um, so... Living lives that are, so this, this is a sentence that um, I wrote and I really like it. So it's, we need to be living lives that are more noteworthy than others should, should be, okay, again in my writing, um, should be in the way which Christians strive to live, not in a humiliating way. So we should not be living in a, in a um, noteworthy way in a, hum, to humiliate others, but in a humbling way. Paul will talk about this later in this book, of course, but living humbly and worthy lives is going to spread the gospel more aggressively than if we are living a pride-filled holy life. And I think that's what we need to learn. When we are living, conducting ourselves in a holy and loving way that is going to be humble and we are going to live more and love more, but we're going to be better in that sense. So the second part of verse 27 I wanna talk about and Paul writes about is standing firm in your beliefs. So um, it's actually, so it says, um, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whether I come to see you or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. So this is so important that no matter where you are in your life, you have to stand firm in your beliefs. Whether your belief in God is strong or small, stand firm in that. I think this is one tough part that, that I, when I first became a Christian, I had a hard time with this. Is that you start talking with other people and then, then you start questioning the things you believe sometimes. And rather than standing firm, whether you, you're like um, Robbie Zacharias or someone who has this amazing, immense belief and they could talk so many big, fancy words, no matter where you are or where you're standing, you need to stand firm in what you're believing and what you're understanding. Because the enemy is going to try and take that away from you, um, Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five says, "Unless let us consider how to stir up one another to love and um, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit for some, but encouraging one another, and all the more to see the days um, to see the day drawing near." So we need to stand firm in our habits, Let uh, stir up one another. It, those habits are important. Those, those things that keep us connected with God are super important. Standing firm in those things. Um, we, we have to stay truly trusting the beliefs that you have can be actually more beneficial for you than questioning it over and over again. Whether it's the smallest thing, if you're like, I just know Jesus died for me, but I don't know what else that means. If you have that and work on that, it's going to grow. Sometimes people, me, like, I use, I use myself as an analogy a lot because I only know my thoughts and stuff. When, when I first became a Christian, you know, really became a Christian about five years ago, I only had that small thing of, man, I know Jesus loves me, but I can't explain or tell anyone how Jesus loves me. I just know it. But the funny part is standing firm in that and knowing that through conflict, through, through anything, it started to grow and started to expand. And I started to learn all these things. And I'm like, whoa, this is such a cool whole new world that I get now. And I think that's what some people see is they beat themselves up on this small thing rather than seeing that this is the seed. You know, your seed is going to grow. Seeds grow. That's, you know, talk about the mustard seed the smallest seed, Christ says, plant it, and it's going to turn into this giant, big old tree, you know? We need to trust in those little, standing firm in the little beliefs that we have, and keep watering them, and they will grow for us. The third point I have is is standing firm in your community. Um, like Hebrews we just talked about, it said, stirring up one another, you know? We need to, we need to be encourage one another the biggest thing about church that we have to have for us is our community. We cannot do this on our own. And Paul Paul is a perfect example of this. When you look through all of his writings, he's with someone, talking with someone, or he's doing a worship service in a jail. He's, he's with people all the time or writing people all the time because he knows how important standing firm in his community is. Um, Dennis, Jam, uh, Dennis Jam, he's a commentarius, says, um, the Christians standing firm in one spirit, so the spirit of the Holy Spirit in the community um, is a proof of their salvation in the sense that they are, they are their unity, fearless, fearless. Wow, why can't I read today? The Christians standing firm in one spirit is a proof of their salvation in the same sense that their unity and fearlessness demonstrates God's presence with and support of them. Christians should realize that the unity of their mind and heart ultimately show their desire for God. And of course I jumped ahead. So so unity in community, but also, so when Paul is writing that part in verse 27, he's saying, stay in communion with spirit and mind. And when in the Greek, it actually says heart and mind. So the interesting part that I love about, now that I love about going to the Greek is finding things like that. Because Paul is telling you that the things your heart believe and the thing that your minds believe have to be connected and have to work together. You're gonna to be taught things. So one analogy that I heard all the time is that when you go to church, you, you take um, Christian calories in. Um, I know that's an awesome analogy. But you're eating, you're filling yourself, you're doing all this. But if you keep eating, you just get lazy and fat. And that's the unfortunate part. So what is that? That you learn, now your heart is going out and doing it doing the action so you grow strong, all those things. You need to realize that when we learn these things, we have to go do what we've learned. If you, it's, and that's the, something that I have um, in my walk with God. I started off, I was like a doer. I'm like, I'm gonna, love, I'm gonna work my way into my salvation, which is wrong. We need to believe ourselves and then knowing and understanding that we are saved, we work out of that. Our joy comes from the work. So one thing, standing firm in your beliefs with the community is also with heart and mind. So I want to go, so that was kind of verse 27 in a quick thing. So, um, standing firm in your belief, conducting yourselves and the politumia way in the, in a holy and pleasing way. And then, um, your heart and mind need to be connected. So verse 28 and to 30 is kind of to me was really hard to um, comprehend at the start because I never understood why suffering was important. Um, and I'm not saying, like, God wants you to feel pain. That's not what I'm saying at all. So please hear me out right now. I'm not saying that, like, God is up in heaven being like, I hope you feel pain. That, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but some people might ask, like, why... Why are bad things happening in the world like biggest question out there let's be real um, but I don't want to focus on the world right now. I want to focus individual struggle so struggle with your with yourself with things on your own um, and one of the things that um I realized and and I actually wrote this and and I really liked it um, so why is struggling so so I'm just going to read the sentence, sorry. Um, some people might ask why God ordains or allows the struggles into your life. The answer is, is to that. We, we are the reason there is struggle and suffering. We are, we as humans are the reasons we are struggling and suffering. God gave us that opportunity of the perfect life in the garden, but we ruin that. But here's the cool part. But with our suffering, we can gain victory through Christ. Um, a question that is often asked is, why did I have to go through that? Why didn't God help me? The times of struggle are the times we, we, we encounter and we talk with God most. God could be allowing these struggles because he knows that the struggles have the power to help others. We might be going through the same thing. Overcoming struggles leads to strong testimonies. He knows the strengths that come from the struggles. Struggles are important because we can grow from them. It's not about us. It's about the people behind us. Our struggles can encourage ourselves as well as others. Um, so this other commentarist, um wrote. Um, so he's talking about testimonies. Ultimately, I'll, I'll kind of introduce. He's talking about your testimony, your personal testimony. Obviously, you, as in the broad, as he's writing his book, he says, "You may do your testimony in a quiet way, and no one may ne- no one may ever hear of your witness. No one will know of your courage, but God knows." And your witness will go down in the books of eternity as evidence that here was a Christian who lived as God called him or her to live and who bore the testimony God called him to bear. History will bear out that the things spoken by you were true and that you you conducted yourselves um, in a whole, in a holy manner. Our struggles are there for a stepping stone. I think... Unfortunately, me included, I am, the biggest, I fail at this a lot, is struggles come and then I fall flat on my face. But what I've learned through this and through the past few weeks of the last um, series we went through is a struggle is actually a step. Now, obviously, you might trip the first time. Like, let's think about when you're a baby, you have a hard time getting up and down the stairs. But when you were fighting through and you were going through, walking upstairs becomes easy. And then you become a two-stepper and then, you know, start doing two steps. And then maybe you come a hop along and you're like hopping up four or five stairs at once. But how are you going to use that testimony? How are you going to use that struggle to be the stepping stone? You have to persevere through it. One thing, I did this so much as a younger kid from the age of like 16 to 21. I used my suffering. I used these things that, that I fell over as an excuse to not get better. When ultimately those are those are excuses, those things that we go through are excuses to get better. Paul talks about his suffering because he's going through it. Paul, I think of a guy just walking for years on years and getting arrested, beaten, like. But he loved me, I from what I read, he loves his suffering. And I and I understand now why. Because without our suffering, so without our sufferings, we, we don't go to God. When things go good, we don't go to God. It is so true. I was talking with my older brother and he's all about me having a child really soon. And I'm like, please stop talking to my wife about that because she really wants to have a child really soon. But he talks about, and he's, he talks about it in saying a way, my kids humble me because it is hard, but it makes me go to God because I have to go to God because I don't know how to do it. And that's what our suffering's for. I know it's super hard. I know sometimes you, these things happen to you and you're like, why, why? But it's because we can grow from it. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians four sixteen eighteen. 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our outer man is, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparisons, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul understood that him enduring this suffering right now is minuscule compared to the eternity that he is spending right now with God in heaven. And now he's probably looking down and being like, man, I complained a lot, but it is so worth it right now. So what are you gonna do? Are you going to live your life, continuing to fall over your steps, or are you gonna persevere through those things? So we have three ways of how through these sufferings, through suffering, you can fight through suffering and grow from it. So the first thing is um, connect your mind and heart. Biggest thing right now. I have learned that so much over the last two years. Um, Raja has like shoved books down my throat and I realize why now is because it's teaching me how to learn in my heart and mind. It is so important that you connect those two things, that you learn things and then do it don't sit on it don't sit at home reading the Bible and being like, "Man that's really cool. I like that, yeah, do it, apply it. That is the most over and over again. God's not calling us to sit in the chairs at church or sit in the chairs at home. He's calling us to go, go out, think about the like um just it's everywhere um, that is one thing that I am gro- that I am trying to do is the things I learn. I am trying to live it out and act it. Um, the second part is finding a community that will keep you accountable and push you towards God. You connect your heart and mind, that becomes your first community with God. Then you have to find the second community that pushes you through the suffering. The only way I got through some of the suffering I did is because of my family, because of my friends, and because of Raja and God. Like, I'm not supposed to say his name, but I said it anyways, Raja. Um, Like, if it were for those three groups of people, I would not be here today. And it is true. No matter what you're going through, you might think that the world is ending. Those people will help you pull it through and come through. Um, I'm, right, I'm going to say this and I hope Raja doesn't get mad at me. But if this is not the church for you, I don't know how, but I'll help you find another church. Like I'm dead serious. If you feel like this church is making you feel uncomfortable or weird, or you, I don't know, whatever it may be, Find a church that will help you grow. And I, but here's the, here's the part that I'm going to throw a curveball in your own thing is every church you go to, you're going to find faults in it. You're going to find things that are wrong. A hundred percent out. I, there's, there's no matter where you go, no church is going to be perfect because humans run the church and we are not perfect. So I'm telling you right now, I'll help you find a church, but you're probably going to find difficulties there if you're. It's it's us. We need to change our mindset and our hearts towards church. Are we going to sit in the chairs and get frustrated being like I don't like what so and so is preaching or Marshall's going on a lot of tangents or, or whatever? Or are you going to sit and be like, "Man, what am I going to learn today? How am I going to how are the how the things I'm learning today? How am I going to go use them?" If you come into church in that mindset, man, you're going to be like the dream team. Let me tell you, and I'm talking about that old basketball team. Yes, I am. Um, and then the third thing I want to talk about—I don't even remember which year they were—but um, the third thing I want to talk about is don't give up when things get tough. Um, I—I I think when I when I think about suffering, I always go to my life because I put myself through so much suffering. You could talk to my mom. I, like I feel bad for her because, like, sh- I brought her along too, and I didn't know I was the one thing. the The day when I hit rock bottom, I realized that giving up wasn't an option. I I, I thought about giving up. I thought about that whole giving up thing, and I realized that was probably the worst thing I could do. And I am truly grateful or whatever, whoever, I, it was totally God, and now that I look back on it, that that changed that that instance of me trying to give up. And I'm truly grateful for that. And I'm telling you right now, whatever you're going through, don't give up. Talk to me, talk to whoever, anyone with a name tag, we will help you get through this. You can't do it on your own, and we wanna help you through it. I don't know what you're going through, but it gets easier sometimes. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's honest, but... Don't do it alone. It, it might not get easier, but it gets comfortable because people are walking alongside you, picking you up when you fall, helping you up the stairs. So I want to start my closing off with um, probably one of my favorite verses. Um, and it's James uh, chapter one, two to four. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, but it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, I consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Who says that? But it's so true. Consider it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That is why we go through suffering. That is why we have pain is because in the end we find joy in it and we realize that we are complete because Christ has died for us and this pain means nothing. This 70 to 80 or however long you're going to live, 53 if your mom, my mom. Um, I, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's true though. No matter how long you are, this life is going to seem minuscule compared to the time you spend with God. So I want to close... Um, with the quote from Dr. Oz that it ended with. And I never thought I'd like a Dr. Oz quote, but I did. Um, and he he said, it takes a long time for what works to percolate into the system. So being a smart patient is not being about selfish. It's about being brave enough to stand up for, um, for not just you. Oh man, I wrote it down wrong. okay. Um, so being a smart patient is not being selfish. It's being brave enough to stand up for, for others, not just you, and thinking about the person behind you, not just you. That's Christianity right there. You go through things, not for you, but for the person behind you. I went through things because, because I I'm praying that I'm helping people through my story. I'm praying that people who've gone through things, I'm praying that people who have been adopted, they hear my story and they're like, wow, that's cool knowing that I wasn't like, whatever, whatever your story is, it's like, I went through things because I hope that the things I've went through, I can encourage others. Adoption, drugs, alcohol, all those things. I hope people are encouraged by my story because I, I was dead. I was completely dead. And now I realize that that suffering that I put myself through and the suffering I put myself through now sometimes, I, I consider it pure joy because I desire and I want to persevere through it so that this life seems like nothing when I'm in heaven, hanging out with my grandmother, hanging out with Paul, hanging out with Peter, all these people and realizing, man, life is so much better now and we get to hang out and worship God all the time that's, my, that's gonna be my pure joy. And I hope that you all understand that if you're going through something right now, it's, 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 it's a good thing because it's going to push you forward and bring you back to God. And just remember that. If you're going through something, go to God. If you're not going some, through something, go to God so that things don't come up, but things probably will still come up. But just remember, everything, everything we do, suffering, joy, pain, go to God. Because through your suffering, joy comes and your pain is relieved. So let's pray. Oh yeah, communion and kids, come on down. Um, I, I don't know all of your stories. I don't know where you've all been, but um, I hope you all know that if you're going through a hard time right now, if something in your life is going through, it's it's going to get better. Um, one day it will get better. So, Heavenly Father, I pray over today. Um, I pray that I pray that when we find when suffering comes into our life, God, that we we see it as a as a stepping stone, not a stumbling block, God. I pray that when suffering comes along we can we can use it to come closer to you to to wrap our arms back around you, Holy Spirit. I ask that the things people heard today um, they implement them in their lives God that they they find a way to to live holy and pleasing lives God like Paul said, the paulituumi way that that it is a, a stronger a better life God I thank you for your word, that we can learn these things so that we can live a better life, God. But I thank you for your word. Most importantly, though, that when we're suffering, we can go to it and find encouragement and find joy, God. I thank you for your son. I thank you for the sacrifice that he gave, the final and perfect sacrifice. And I can't wait for the second Christmas, God. I pray that we live our lives for that day rather than the past of our lives and and, and regretting the things that we did. But we look forward to to the second coming, to to the Christ returning God. That's what we look forward to in life. We pray these things in your name. Amen.